Unlock your Bible. Discover the true meaning of life. Learn the cause of world problems and the astounding solution. Prove for yourself what the future holds. In the Trumpet Literature Library, you will find answers to life's most important questions. Explore these vital titles on Trumpet Bookshelf. Welcome to Trumpet Bookshelf. I'm Grant Turgeon. It's time that the whole world wakes up. Jews are wrong. Christians are wrong. Catholics are wrong. Buddhists are wrong. The whole world has gone wrong. And the world is in darkness. And the world is suffering. And the world is in trouble. And there's a reason. There's a cause for all of that. I'm trying to bring light to the world. Herbert W. Armstrong said this in a sermon from October 1983 titled The Value of Human Life. And that would be a pretty controversial statement. A lot of people would be offended to hear that they are wrong. But it reflects exactly what the Bible says. It gets down to, do we believe God and the Bible or do we not? This is a verse that we quote all the time, but it never loses importance for us. Revelation 12 verse 9 says, And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan who deceives the whole world. He was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Now the deception has gotten even worse in this end time. We can prove to you that Satan and the demons were cast out in 1986 when Mr. Armstrong died. Things have only gotten worse because all of those millions of evil spirit beings are now stuck here on earth and they are causing mass deception. So the fact is truth is hard to come by. It's hard to find any truth in the entire world where everyone is wrong. Today we hear a lot about your truth and my truth, his truth and her truth. Everyone has their own brand of truth, which really isn't truth at all. It's just us fighting against reality and trying to soothe our own emotions. It's not truth. If over 8 billion people on the planet have their own version of truth, all those versions of truth are going to clash. So what is the one supreme overarching truth? Hardly anyone seems to know. Now here in this sermon from October 1983, Mr. Armstrong specifically was talking about the value of human life, but he also got into a lot of other utterly unique doctrines of God's one true church. You couldn't really pinpoint just one doctrine that makes God's church stand out from all the rest. Really, it's every single doctrine stands out from all the rest. 
the entire body of beliefs is utterly unique. Notice here, Matthew 17, verses 10 and 11. And his disciples asked him, saying, Why then say the scribes that Elijah must first come? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Elijah truly shall first come and restore all things. We can prove extensively to you as well that Mr. Armstrong fulfilled that end time Elijah office. And he did come into God's church and restore all things. God's church was dying before Mr. Armstrong came around. And thankfully, one man was dedicated enough to finding the truth and proving the truth that God was able to use him to restore all foundational doctrines to his church. It's just astounding history. You can read a lot about this in Mr. Armstrong's autobiography, which you can get for free at thetrumpet.com. And just his interactions with a dead church, spiritually dead, no work whatsoever. They had a couple correct doctrines here and there. And yet Mr. Armstrong comes around and restores dozens of true doctrines to God's church. Just absolutely miraculous. All foundational doctrines restored to the church. We'll start by looking at the one that Mr. Armstrong mainly talked about in this October 1983 sermon, the value of human life. Who really understands that? Mr. Armstrong said, the world does not understand the value of a human life. It doesn't understand what a human life is. The world knows nothing about the God who produced a human life. Not one religion knows who and what God is. So Mr. Armstrong is getting back to the core of the subject here. To understand the value of a human life, you have to understand the God who created human life. You have to prove that God exists, that evolution is false, that we were created by a higher power by a great creator. And then we have to start asking ourselves, why? Why did God create us? What makes us so different from the animals? Where the best that an ape can do is pick some bugs out of another ape's hair and eat it, while we're building skyscrapers and flying to the moon. Why the vast difference? Mr. Armstrong pointed out that the, an the animal brain and the human brain are the same. There's nothing about the human brain physically that makes us superior to the animals. And yet, when we look at the results, when we look at what humans can produce versus what animals can produce, the, the gap is gigantic. It's not even close. 
human beings are far superior to the animals. Yet God created the animals as well. And they're a marvelous creation too. The Bible says God created animals to be ruled over by human beings. We have dominion over the animals. We are able to choose to eat the clean animals. We should avoid the unclean ones as God requires. But we're able to protect ourselves from animals. We're able to herd and shepherd animals. We can use animals to benefit ourselves because God has given us rule over them. But then why did God create us? Notice here, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 11 says, For what man knows the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knows no man but the spirit of God. You see, what makes us human is the human spirit. This is an utterly unique doctrine. Who knows about the human spirit and what it really is and what it really does for us? It is truly and utterly unique. Mr. Armstrong said, well, now the answer to the question, what is the one sole real value of a human life? Why is it more valuable or why is it more valuable than a sparrow, for example, or a horse or a cow or an elephant? The sole value of a human life lies in the human spirit combined with the human brain. Now think that over. No scientist understands that because he doesn't believe there is any such thing. You see, we have to go beyond the physical realm to even understand ourselves. And so our great scientists, when they reject God, are handicapping their ability to understand who they are. They're looking out in the universe. They're looking at all the mysteries of this planet. And yet they can't even solve the mystery of themselves and who they are. Because they will not accept the reality of the spirit realm and the existence of spirit. we can go step by step through the verses in the Bible that explain what man really is, how God formed man from the dust of the ground. That's Genesis two and verse seven. We came from the dust of the ground and, and that's what made us a living soul as it says there. So a soul is something like a creature, it's like an animal. The same existence as an animal physically, where we breathe, we eat and drink, blood circulates, our, our organs operate. It's the same physical existence of an animal. And yet, 
something about man makes us very, very different. Mr. Armstrong said, now the spirit in man is more of an essence. It is not a ghost. It is not another person inside of you at all. The spirit in you does not have a mind of its own at all. The spirit in you can't think. It's your brain that does the thinking. The spirit merely empowers it to do the thinking. But it's the brain that does the thinking. The spirit can't know anything. The brain does the knowing. The spirit can't see. It's your brain that sees through the eye. It's the brain that hears through the ear. The spirit can't hear. It can't see. It can't think. It can't know. Because it's an essence like air or like water. Well, that's very, very, very different from what we normally hear about spirit. Now, normally, we don't even hear about the human spirit at all in other religions and belief systems. But maybe if we hear about the Holy Spirit, people will assume that that is a living being just like God. But just that the way that Mr. Armstrong described the human spirit as an essence, like air or like water, it's the same with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is also an essence. It is a power. It's not a human being. And that Holy Spirit can combine with our human spirit. And that's what takes us to an entirely different level. Just like it says there in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 11. We cannot know the things of God without the help of the Holy Spirit. Mr. Armstrong said, now the Spirit empowers the brain with intellect and also something else. The Spirit empowers the brain to have a contact with and a relationship with God. Or a union with God. Now a cow and a dog can't have any relationship with God or any union with God. They have a brain just like you and I. Mr. Armstrong continues, Why do we have these different attitudes and different senses of things like art, music, and literature that animals can't have? What's the difference? That's right. People are looking and looking and looking and they can't figure out anything different. Anything that would really set humans and animals apart. And yet the Bible tells us it's the human spirit. That's what makes us greater than the animals. And then when we receive the Holy Spirit, it's even better and we can understand the Bible That's not something that we just automatically will understand. Romans 8 verse 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Verse 16 says, The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So again, it's talking about God's Holy Spirit, and then it's talking about our spirit, the human spirit. There's two of them. 
And both of those spirits are just an essence like air or water. The human spirit empowers the human brain and gives us much greater capabilities than the animals have. And then the Holy Spirit can combine with the human spirit and give us a relationship with God and impart to us spiritual understanding. That is the value of a human life. It's not to endlessly seek pleasure in this life before we die and then that's the end. It's about the potential to have a deep relationship with God by the power of the Holy Spirit and then to become so much more. It talks about being sons of God here in Romans 8. The Holy Spirit makes all of that possible. We know what it means to be someone's son physically. Yet here where it says we're sons of God, people really struggle to believe that. It's hard to believe that we human beings could actually become God's sons through birth, just like we were born physically and became a physical father's son. It's the same process, except the second time is a spiritual birth. And we would receive a spiritual body when born that time. So obviously that hasn't happened yet. We humans do not have spirit bodies yet, but that is the process that we're going through. That's pretty exciting to think about. Mr. Armstrong talked a lot about the value of human life here in this sermon, but he also, again, surveyed a few other doctrines that really make God's church unique. He, he commented on how somebody told him, you know, the, the human spirit idea must be the most awesome truth you've ever received from God. And it's got to be the most important truth ever. So Mr. Armstrong said, well, maybe, but is, is the truth about the human spirit more important than the fact that the true gospel has been restored? The true gospel? Who today knows the true gospel, even though it's written for us in the Bible? There is a specific definition of the true gospel in the Bible, and it's the good news of the coming kingdom of God. That is an utterly unique doctrine of God's church. Mark 1, verse 14, it says, Now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent you, and believe the gospel. Now, we have to understand the context here. This is right after Jesus Christ defeated Satan in the Titanic battle of the ages. Satan is now in charge of the earth. And as we mentioned before, he has deceived the whole world. 
But right now, Satan rules the earth. And during that confrontation with Christ, he offered Christ his throne. And Christ said no, because he knew he would receive rule over the earth at his second coming, which is soon to take place. So Christ was patient enough to wait another 2,000 years to receive rule over the entire earth. And that's when we would see the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God will take over all worldly kingdoms. It will rule over the entire earth, just like Satan rules over the earth now. So Christ started preaching the gospel of the coming kingdom of God right after he defeated Satan in this confrontation. Because by doing so, he qualified to replace Satan on the throne of the earth. The true gospel was under attack for 1900 years. It was buried by a great counterfeit church. You can learn a lot more about that in Mr. Gerald Flurry's upcoming Key of David, The Lost Century. But Mr. Armstrong restored that true gospel message and he preached it around the world. It says that in Matthew 24, verse 14. That counterfeit church, though, replaced the true gospel with a gospel about Christ. They didn't talk about the message Christ taught. They talked about Christ, the man himself. It, it was a false gospel. And yet, the vast majority of churches out there teach about Christ himself instead of about the coming kingdom. Mr. Armstrong said, okay, what about the very important knowledge that God is reproducing himself? Sure, it's great to know about the human spirit. It's great to know about the real value of a human life. But what about the fact that God is reproducing himself? In this October 1983 sermon, Mr. Armstrong was very strong against other religions where they look at what the Bible says and they simply refuse to believe. God says it right in the book that he is reproducing himself in human beings, that we will become God's sons very soon. And yet people just can't believe it. Another doctrine Mr. Armstrong surveyed here, the government of God has been restored. It's the same government that will soon rule over the entire earth during the kingdom of God. But today in God's church, that government is in force. It is in effect. God, then Christ, then one man, and then a bunch of ministers and other supporters. That is the type of government that we will enjoy in the future as well, with God in charge. And finally, Mr. Armstrong said, what about the fact that the world is held captive? They're held captive. They are hostages. They are enslaved. 
by deception. Meanwhile, they think they are free to do whatever they want. That is an incredible plot by Satan the devil to convince his own captives that they are free. Now, those are just a handful of many unique doctrines of God's church. He went on to explain that the Trinity doctrine is false, that God is a family. He went through John chapter 1 and explained how for all eternity it was two God beings, God and the Word. And once the Word became Jesus Christ, and once he died for our sins and was resurrected, it opened up the possibility for all mankind to enter God's family. And one day everyone will have a legitimate chance to know God and learn about God and live his way for a lifetime before finally choosing whether they want to be born spiritually into his family. But again, so much of that gets right back to the human spirit. The human spirit in man that makes us different from the animals, that allows us to have the chance to connect with God through the power of the Holy Spirit, combining with the human spirit, and it just opens up an entire universe of possibilities for us. Thanks so much for listening today. I'm Grant Turgeon. This has been Trumpet Bookshelf. You've been listening to Trumpet Bookshelf. Please email your thoughts to comments at kpcg.fm. Listen for new episodes every Friday at 10 a.m. Central Time.